Blog Talk Radio. Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. Marty Oakley here. This is TS Radio Network. Co-hosting with me tonight is Kaz Scave. Say hello, Kaz. Cause, <laughs> cause, hello, where are you? Hmm, I guess she's not talking. Anyway, we've got a special show tonight, and it is we normally aren't on on Wednesday evenings, but we are uh, doing this because we stumbled across something in the last week as the result of one of these predator guardians sent a very threatening letter to a woman whose parent is in guardianship, and they are trying, of course, to bleed the estate out. The daughter has worked furiously to stop the sale of the home. They claim they need to sell the home uh, for, uh, uh, they need to sell the home for, um, to pay nursing home bills. And this is something we're going to touch on, too. (laughs) I don't understand why these nursing home bills run up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. What could they possibly be doing there besides nothing? The reports of nursing home neglect and abuse and the unsanitary conditions are rampant across the country. What could they possibly be doing that would be $100,000 or more? This is every day, but this is the not only the culling of the elderly, but it is a great theft of wealth. It is a transfer of wealth. And this whole system is set up. It all revolves around that probate examiner, the hearing you know, examiner. They call him a judge, but he really isn't. And everything is facilitated by that person. Now, when that happens, we find them working with the same attorneys, the same protective services agents, 
the same social workers, the same nursing homes, the same doctors, and they are running a racket, and they're running what's called a mill. Former guests reported that since they were trying to block the sale of their parents' home, there's really no need to. The parents well provided for their estate, for their care long term. Uh, there's plenty of funding, but see, this isn't what it's about. It isn't about the care of the parent. It's about bleeding that estate, getting everything out of it. So they've got the house up for sale. The daughter is fighting the sale of the house, and you know how this works. We have an auction that is supposed to be a public auction, but nobody knows about it except the person who's going to get to buy the house for pennies on the dollar. That money does not go to pay bills. It goes in someone's pocket because it is quickly absorbed by the guardian and the attorneys, and there's nothing left to pay the nursing home. In comes something called filial laws. Now, 27 states have these laws, and what it says is if your parents are impoverished, and by the time the guardian and the attorneys and probate court gets done with them, you can damn well bet they are, that for some reason – Now they can go after the children's assets. I'm telling you, you talk about a racket. Now, Mm -hmm. this this is is going on because you have a list of states that this is active in. You want to give that out? I do. I do. This has been, this is, uh, what I think happened is the American Guardianship Association had a big old Zoom call and said, hey, let's, we got a new plan. Uh, My research is these laws went into effect in these certain states between 1989 and the year 2000. And I'm going to read off the states that have these laws so everyone can beware. In alphabetical order, Alaska, Arkansas, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Montana, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, and West Virginia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, and, and I saw, because in my research on this, I saw several articles that said this came from an old 1806 law of Queen Elizabeth or some such thing and been on the books forever, mm-hmm. but it was seldom ever. They made no mention of the revamping of these laws going up, you know, recently. They made no mention of that. Oh, they've been mm-hmm. in place forever. Those laws were in place, and it was it was exactly what it is now. It was a way of extorting the entire family. Now we saw the letter that the guardian wrote this mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. about her um, that if she didn't stop trying to impede the sale of the house, they were going to lean on this law and come yeah. after her assets. This was a clear threat there was nothing veiled about it it was an open threat of coercion and extortion and that woman should be charged and brought up on charges and but this Mm. whole system is set up simply 
to steal as much from people that get caught up in it as possible. This is not about taking care of anyone, providing for anyone. This isn't about making sure that, you know, uh, that your elderly parent is well cared for. They could give a damn. Oh, absolutely. This is about how much do they have and how can we get it? And the suffering that it causes, not just to the targeted victim, but to the family, I mean, there's a downstream effect here. Here, these these this family is fighting for its parent, and they're mm-hmm. fighting because they know that they're being used, abused, they're being isolated, they're being drugged, they're having everything done to them, uh, their phones, their dentures, their eyeglasses, their hearing aids yeah. are all taken away from them to in order to dehumanize them, and then they isolate them, which is a terrible terrible condition for a human being to be in isolation is is emotional and psychological stress and threat and that is exactly what it is a form of torture now why any elderly person even in guardianship should be isolated and nobody that could do anything about it questions that nobody sees anything wrong with it or will admit to seeing anything wrong with it this is causing it. I swear to God, it, 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 the lunatics are I, running the asylum. Right. I was. I was furious. I was furious when I read the letter, and we won't say what state or who this guardian is, or the attorney and guardians right now. But uh, I would think that down the road that we could probably reveal this, but as of right now, we're going to stay quiet about it. But it was someone who has been on our show and we do feel like there is retaliation that's being taken out on people who are speaking up. And you know, Marty, while we're talking about isolation, today is Veterans Day and I would like to honor all the veterans, but I also would like to honor my uncle Harvey Whitten, who was a veteran, and I'm going to tell you how he was treated at the end of his life. He was a veteran. He was in the Korean War. He was a medic. I remember when he was 80 years old and he had called me. No, I actually, I think I had called him to wish him happy birthday. And he had, you know, some things planned. But I remember he was on the phone and he sort of choked up. And he never really talked about his military service before, but he said to me, why am I still alive when so many others died in my arms? And he was going mm-hmm. through like a survivor guilt. But what, what happened was when he was in the Korean War, because he felt that dying alone would be so awful that as, as, as a medic, he, people died in his arms and he had the tags. And when he got out of the Korean War, he went back. I'm trying to try to. And he found the families of the young men who died in his arms. And he went and he saw those families and he said, I want you to know I was there with your son and he did not die alone. Because dying alone to Harvey Witten was something that was so awful that he made sure that the families of the people who he was with when they were dying, that they knew that their son did not die alone. But what happened to Harvey Whitman? Right. He was isolated for about eight months in a hospice where they and they told his friends that he had 
died. So he had no visitors. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That was oh how God. he was treated in the end. And we're doing this to so many. Um, the Veterans Administration is such a shame. It's a, it's a, it, it should be an embarrassment to the whole country. The way we treat our veterans through the VA system is absolutely disgusting. And that we have sent these men and women to war and then bring them home and throw them in the street or try to drug them to death or fail to give them proper medical care, I think is probably one of the biggest shames of this country. And many of them do die alone on the street. They can't function. Why we expect these people to go to war and do these hideous, insidious things on orders. And this has got to have a psychological effect. And then expect Mm -hmm. them to come home and simply pick up where they left off and move on. And maybe one out of a hundred can. Most cannot. And they have been permanently damaged. They need help. And instead, and I've even seen on, you know, Facebook has become such a trash pile. But I've even seen people going, well, nobody told them to do it. They, you know, that's what they chose. I don't feel sorry a bit for Mm -hmm. them as you sit there safely in your home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. With that big yellow stripe running down your back, mm-hmm. this is just—I—I I, I don't know. I—I I think as a country, we—we we are in the last days. I just—I think between the predation that goes on on many levels. I mean, we've got this thing with the nursing homes and these guardianships, the conservatorships. Mm-hmm. We've got the corruption in prisons, which we're going to be doing a lot on. I've got a whistleblower coming on from. California about the corruption in the prisons there and the absolute torture they inflict on the inmates far above and beyond anything that might be required. Um, And they're trying to shut this guy down. He was a former guard. But anyway, and then, of course, Tanya shows where she's been talking about Oklahoma, which is just a sinkhole. And they've got more people in prison in Oklahoma than any place else in the country. And the Innocence Project has brought at least six people that I know of off of death row that they fabricated the case again. DNA proved they could not have committed the crime. They weren't there. Um, They find where they fudge these cases. But what I'm trying to get out here is this. The whole legal system is a sham. The court system is absolutely a global disgrace. There is no justice in our courts. There is no sense of law, no sense of propriety, no sense of human rights. There's nothing that all of this that we have been pounding on cause all these years mm-hmm. and not one thing has changed. Not one no. thing has changed. I it's think space volumes. It, it's more than frustrating. It's we we if if you're over 50 in this country i thought it was 60 but 50 seems to be even plausible with this if you're over 50 they want rid of you those of us that are you know past that 50 mark we've got a big red x on us if we're retirement age they definitely want rid of us and I, you know, not to bring up this stupid COVID hoax thing, 
honest to God, that has gone insane because every day the numbers get inflated and exaggerated more and more. Supposedly over a million people are infected, and they haven't even identified a virus. What are they infected with? They have a vaccine, they can't identify. It's, coming, it's coming out next month. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yes. Yes, um, 88 million doses ready to go, which means this thing has been in production at least five years. And it contains a digital tattoo, and it contains a nanogel that will act like a biosensor in your body as it spreads and replicates itself. You won't be safe from anybody anywhere. Homeland Security is handing out $25,000 awards for the creation of digital wallets because they don't want you to have any cash. They want Mm -hmm. to track everything you buy, sell, and trade. And if you don't get this tattoo, I I don't want to get into the Trump-Biden thing, but Trump came out and it's been brought up to me. He said he wouldn't force a vaccine for COVID and, and thank God for that. No, he won't take responsibility. There's a difference. They don't have to force the vaccine. Once they start implementing it and everything goes digital, if you don't have that tattoo in your hand, the mark of the beast, if you don't have it, you can't go to work, you can't go to school, you can't go shopping, you can't buy groceries, you can't do anything. They don't have to force a vaccine. They will simply squeeze you out, starve you to death, and you will run to get your tattoo. That's why he doesn't have to make it mandatory it is because they will come out and they will shut the rest of us off who refuse the vaccine. It isn't a vaccine at all. Whatever it is, is an intentional infection with what we don't know. And they, like I say, they have identified no virus, claim they are unable to, said they found the genome. No, they took pieces and parts from colds, flus, influenza, and pieced it together and said, we think this is what the virus might look like. Really? But nobody, the PCR test, 95% false positives. <clears throat> I I just... Loved. And then, then, you know, and I had said that that whatever that was, they were ramming up people's noses. Didn't look like any swab I'd ever seen. It looked like a miniature weapon. And they were going up in people's noses, clear up to the sinus above the eye. And there's a thin membrane between that sinus and the brain. And they are puncturing that. And I said what they are doing is collecting DNA. They just come out and admitted they were collecting DNA. But I think the other thing they are doing is implanting this nanogel, which self-replicates. It will move through all the many works like a biosensor. It will make computers able to interface with your system, your body. And it sounds like stuff out of science fiction. That's right where it came from. But wow. uh, they, you know, and cause in that first round, and we're hearing the same crap again. Uh, you know, we've got outbreaks. More than 10,000 people tested positive. What did they test positive with? You said the test is flawed. It isn't any good. You said you can't identify a virus. What do you mean they tested positive for what? And they may be asymptomatic, which means they don't have anything. Uh, but, but an MIT who is working with the Gates Foundation on a plan to manipulate the public into getting the vaccine, 
they're working on different uh, public dues, you know, little exposés and advertising and, you know, of course, the, the scarifying, the terrifying um, ads and things are going to run to coerce people into getting this vaccine, people who know instinctively something is wrong here. And MIT claims to have come out with some gizzy that they can just scan you with, and it will tell them even if you're asymptomatic, meaning you don't have anything at all. And they then CDC is setting up basically concentration camps. And what they've decided they are going to do is sort people by age and vulnerability and get them for safety into these camps so they can be taken care of. This is, wake up people, for God's sake, wake up. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this, we have these God-awful guardianships going on. They are preying on the elderly, particularly those with assets all over the country. Mm -hmm. There are a thousand or more people in court as we speak right now fighting for their lives, literally fighting for their lives. The people coming against them most times couldn't identify them in a one-person lineup. They've never seen the person they are targeting. And yet Mm -mm. they are somehow gifted with their identity, all of their rights, and they are making medical, financial, living decisions, never having seen the person. Mm-hmm. Never having seen that gym we had on um, the other night, Jim Lowry, yeah, um, who had the stroke, and he's being held, and he's he's been under guardianship now for more than a year, years as I could tell. He's never seen the guardian. She's never seen him. He's never talked oh, to her. And here she's making all these decisions for this man and won't let him go home. So disgusting. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. It's disgusting. It is. Yeah. It is. And then when we stumble across these filial laws and see mm-hmm. how they're being used to threaten and extort the children, and this can, in some states can be relatives, other relatives. doesn't have to yes, necessarily in that. some states be their kids. Yeah. It can be it other can relatives. Be, yeah. It can even be. So let's say that you had an abusive parent. You turned 18 and you went your merry way. And it's been 20 years and you've had nothing to do with them. You still can pay under these laws. Mm-hmm. Even if you're, if, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, just think like they could I'm, say, oh, look at, you know, um, well, there's Jeff Bezos. Let's go find his mother and make him pay. I mean, now you're going to start, you know, targeting the parents based who the kids are. Well, you know, some of the in researching this cause, and this yeah. this article I'm reading it's from Elder Law, uh, April twentieth this year, and of all of the idiotic crap I have read, and I've read a lot of it, mm-hmm. it says the reasons they can do this is. Your folks clothed you, bandaged your skin knees, and fed you dinner for years, and now it may be time to return the favor. Shut up. Um, 
and you may be at that's... risk of putting the yeah of yeah. putting the bill for your parents' high dollar medical debt. Well, excuse me, everybody is forced to buy a crap load of insurance that promises if you pay us these extortive fees every month, we'll cover your long term care. We'll cover your medical needs. Now you may have a copay and you can bet your bottom dollar you will. So where are these high dollar mm-hmm. medical debts coming from? I wanna know. The how guard, come these bills the are paid? How come you didn't Yeah, how come you didn't go back to the insurance company that accepted those premiums and collect? And I want to clear something up. When the state and every state has this in place when it comes to Medicaid, this is why they attached Medicaid to Medicare. If you're on Medicaid and you need long-term care, they can take your property. The state says it has a right to recover their costs. Now, this after you paid premiums. You paid them for this. Okay, the state says they can recover their costs. They need to recover it. Only it isn't the state. See, they're lying to you and telling you the truth all at the same time. Every January, every state accepts bids from insurance companies on who is going to sell the Medicaid policies. And so whoever that insurance company is that's managing Medicaid for your state is actually who's going to come and sell your property and take the money. Now, this is bait and switch, if you ask me. You accepted the premiums. You you offered these services in lieu of those premiums. And now because you were called to honor your part of the contract, you get to take my house? Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah. What is wrong with this picture? And seeing they've got people convinced that Medicaid is funded by taxpayers. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's funded by the individual. Now, they get um, block grants, like from Social Security Title 20, federal funding, all of that. They get grants and money coming in the door all the time. Mm-hmm. But that money you pay in premiums goes to an insurance company. You don't get this for free. And people understand some. there isn't a person out there on Social Security that isn't paying a monthly premium. That after paying for 30, 40, 50 years into the program, as now you have to pay a premium. You don't get it free. It is not a free ride. And then you have the copay on the doctor's office and the copay on prescriptions. And then there's the donut hole from 2500 to 5000 where Medicare doesn't pay anything, which is why you have to have – this was a gift to the insurance companies. You have to have what they call gap insurance to cover that donut hole, which can oh be very expensive. So then in the end, Medicare only pays – and this isn't counting the donut hole – what any other insurance company pays, about 80% of the total bill. The other 20% you're liable for, if not more. I just, I, you know, I have talked till I'm blue in the face in D.C. These people are yeah. not going to do anything. I think one of the things we need to address is the abject failure of the lawmakers, both state and federal, to move to actually protect the elderly and their assets from these predators. 
they set the system up. And when they first set up probate, which has been some years ago, um, they separated. And I can remember I was down at um, in uh, Minneapolis at the uh, Senate, and they were passing this bill about setting up separating family and probate from the civil and criminal courts. There was a reason for this. It took them out of the law. It allowed them to set up a tribunal, make their own statutes and regulations. They don't have to follow any rules of evidence, the code of civil procedures, nothing. They don't have to provide any evidence. They can simply stand up and levy charges and too bad for you. Um, they you no due process, no tr- jury trial to determine if you have a legitimate case or not or why you're trying to target this person. None of that. I got into it with a judge in the hallway who said, Marty, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. The the state courts were just overwhelmed. And if we had left this in that system, we would have had to have hired more judges and gotten more courtrooms. And I said, isn't that what you just did? The only difference yeah. is you set up a whole different system. You took these people uh-huh. out of the law, away from the protection of the law. Uh-huh. And you put them at the mercy, people like the Bar Association. Um, you know, something else, cause that people have been talking about. Yeah. Is these uniform laws coming out. This is a no, no, no situation. Uniform laws were all written by the Bar Associations. The Bar Association writes nothing that doesn't, first and foremost, benefit members, benefit members of the Bar Association. There's a profit right. factor driven in there. Mm-hmm. So uniform laws are so that, and they say this, so that if you're in one state, you need to go to another state, the laws are the same. That is in direct conflict with state sovereignty. You have the right in that state oh. to develop your own systems. So this, mm-hmm. you know, we're in trouble there. But what they want is they want this system cemented across the board, the same things, nobody's guilty of anything, Um Everybody's got qualified immunity except family members and friends and churches. <laughs> and yeah. they don't have any immunity. Um, only the guardians, the attorneys, the agency workers, and so on have this qualified immunity, even in the event of ordinary neglect. And I have yet to get an explanation for exactly what ordinary neglect might be, because oh, I just yeah. don't know what ordinary neglect could be. But uniform laws are not to benefit the public. They are to smooth the wrinkles out. They are to make sure that if you're in one state and you get caught up with another state, you already know what the uniform law says and you already know you can be as crooked as you want to and nobody's going to do anything. This is going to shoot us all in the foot. And where you see these uniform laws come up, and somebody had said to me too, cause well, the the sheriff's department is required to abide by uniform laws, and it says that they have to. I said they they can agree to do that, but they are not required to. I said they can sign on to that or not, and they don't. What benefit do you think the sheriff's department is going to be to you? Because I don't know, you know, you know what, 
if they're going to have uniform laws, then an attorney working in Wisconsin should be able to, you know, go practice in Pennsylvania then. Because then that actually yes. would be scary to these attorneys because then they're going to have people who aren't in their little circle coming after them. I mean, well, if everything was going to be the so, same you know, in every state, then they should be able to practice in every state. And that could be good well, for us it, people. It could in the off chance, but the other side of it is you're working from one bar association to the other bar association. And we know what mm-hmm. they do to attorneys who don't play the game. Right. Um, how many attorneys them. have we seen? Yeah, they disbar mm-hmm. them. They ruin their names, destroy their careers. Yeah. Do whatever yeah. they can. And uh, that's what you get for being an honest attorney. And we have yeah. fewer and fewer attorneys that will even take on these cases. Yeah. <laughs> because the system is so rigged and they know if they actually represent their client, they're out of a job. Their first obligation is to that court. They are an officer of the court. Even though you're in a tribunal, it still applies. Their first Mm -hmm. obligation is to protect them, not their client. And how many times have we seen attorneys charge these families tens of thousands of dollars, talk big all across the board and walk in a courtroom and sit there and say not one word to defend the family or the victim? A ton. Yeah. A ton. Mm -hmm. Or we had one that one time that walked to the door of the courthouse after the family had even spent their kids' college fund paying them, walked to the door of the courtroom and turned around and said, I can't represent you. You're going to have to find somebody else and walked away. And why is there no restitution? When an attorney screws you like that and fails to deliver, Mm -hmm. why are you not allowed to get your money back? Yeah, that's awful. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. But the whole system is rigged against us. And like I say, the Bar Association does nothing that isn't going to benefit the Bar Association. And I am fully on board with all of these groups all over the place that want the Bar Associations disbarred. They are a threat to our judicial system. They are a threat to the society. They need to be done away with. These people need to be prevented from gathering and meeting. Um, because somebody's going to get hurt or die as a result. But as long as they make money, hey, so what? And uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we've got a lot of work to do, and I don't know at this point if we can actually salvage any of this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. It, it's just like the corruption is like, I, I mean, look at, our joke of an of an election that we just had like who even knows who really won i don't know um, i don't know if yeah. we really will know i mean it's just a mess like how can you trust anything yeah. no they're still counting well, like what is this 2020 and we we can't i mean 20 years ago the job could get done but now it can't and we have more technology well, i mean i don't know but we had it's all just, the mail-in you know, voting because of the covid crisis you know yeah and so it's you know, you've got you got a different set of circumstances there, but uh, you know, it's people's electronic voting machines back in 2000, Gore Bush, uh, votes being flipped by those machines all over the country to Bush, 
and mm-hmm. he actually lost the election by almost two million votes. And they took it to the Supreme Court, who selected our president. They should have been disbanded right there. They have no right to interfere in a national election. They have no premise. The Supreme Court itself has outlived any usefulness. It is supposed to be the guardian of the Constitution, our rights, and everything. And by the way, the Constitution Mm -hmm. isn't one page. It's about 385 pages long. Anyway, that is their only real mandate to compare what comes before it to the Constitution. If it's arbitrary or adversarial to the Constitution, it's null and void. (laughs) But instead... They're they're just basically rubber stamping what the federal government does. People have talked about stacking the court. Oh, if Biden gets in, he'll stack. Your court is already stacked with Republicans and these uh, religious freaks. I, what are you worried about Biden? What are the chances he's going to name anybody to the court? None. And, but it's already stacked. They've got people on that court they know they can depend upon to seal whatever the feds hand down. Uh, In all of this, again, the one thing they want is rid of the elderly. They want rid of them because after 20, 30, 40, 50 years of paying into Social Security and Medicare – Medicare being built out of 30 to $60 billion a year by the medical industry, but we can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. This is by the government's own admission. <clears throat> we, they want rid of us. The COVID It'll thing. Save where money. They It'll save them money. Yeah. Money. They took and put those people who they claimed were infected with what we don't know. I say they haven't identified, claim they can't identify any virus. So, And they put them in a nursing home with everyone in there having been forced to take a flu shot. The DOD reported that flu shot contained four strains of what they call SARS-2, the fourth one being this terrible pneumonia. And they put all those people in there. Hospice shows up four days after they put all these people in this nursing home. Five days later, hospice leaves. Everybody's dead. Hospice is not your friend. Hospice business is to be the grim reaper, only they aren't moving fast enough. They aren't taking out, they take out about a quarter of a million people a year through what we call premeditated murder. Um, They murder the clients right there in front of the family. Haldol, Roxanol. Massive shots that stop them. They'll say, oh, they forgot how to swallow. No, they didn't forget. You drugged them so bad that the reflexive action of those muscles has stopped. They didn't forget anything. Listen up on the drugs and watch and see if doesn't that come back. And then the roxanol, the mm-hmm. pure morphine, starts compromising their lungs. And they start this panting and then this long, drawn out breathing and then panting. That's the morphine shutting their lungs down. So sad. And they say so sad. Yeah. Well, you want them to have the shot, don't you? They're in pain. They're in pain. You withheld food and water. By the way, food and water for the elderly has been reclassified as medical treatment, not a human necessity. 
not anything like that to do with humanity or human needs, but it is determined to be a medical necessity. So when a doctor, and it can be any doctor, be a doctor over in Egypt who's never seen or knows anything, says, oh, it's time for futility of care. What that means is all medical intervention stops. The first thing they stop is food and water. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen to that elderly person. Mm-hmm. They can go a couple of weeks without food maybe, but only about four days without hydration. Then the organs start shutting down, which is a painful process. And the tongue swells and hardens. And this, I I swear, because either the country is just producing an overabundance of psychopaths and sociopaths or the devil is on the loose. I don't know what it is. How right. you can go to work every day and knowingly end someone else's life. Withhold from them food and water. That alone, that alone is a terrifying thought. Mm-hmm. That you would do this every day, go home to your family like, like nothing happened, and then go back to work the next day. I and you know what? I think so, so many people, and I'll hear read comments, you know, <laughs> out on the internet and everything. I would never put my parents in a nursing home. I would care for them myself. And the thing is, Many yes. people need to realize that could be what you want to do, but these guardians are going to rip your parents out of your house and put yes. them in the nursing home for yes. you. And I think people need to be aware of that. You know, if you're going to well, judge another family and go, oh, you put your parents in, no, they may have been ripped out of the home and they're fighting like mad to get to yep. be able to have their parents. So I, I just wish people would really understand that. You parents exactly are in the nursing does. homes because they were forced. Yes. Yes. And that's and then when I read through these filial law things about, you know, mm-hmm. um if your parent is impoverished and, and everything, well, I know I know a ton of people that are taking care of their parents, their grandparents. Hell, my granddaughter. Mm-hmm. I live with my granddaughter and her family. You know, mm-hmm. they look after me. They do. And, yeah. you know, but it's it's a different thing if you are by necessity are put in a nursing home. It's another thing if somebody forcibly removes you from your family and stuffs you in one and then turns around and said, you get to pay the bill. Right. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, I don't get that. I just, I, I tell you, cause in reading through all of this stuff, it says the term filial responsibility refers to an adult child's duty, duty to support his or her parents. The thing is, filial responsibility is not just something you accept because it seems like the right thing to do. In some states, you are legally obligated to support your parents if they can't do it themselves. That support mm-hmm. has to, <coughs> excuse me, has to provide for your folks basic needs such as food, housing, and medical care, and it's that last category, medical care, that can be controversial. It says yeah. funding co-payments for your parents' doctor visits is one thing, but absorbing a one hundred thousand bill for a nursing home. Yeah. Now I want to know. 
I mean, Why? is the Guardian fee? Than, yeah. Yeah. Is the, the Guardian fee included in that? that? No, no, no. Uh, why would it cost $100,000 for a nursing home when you can keep them at home for, what, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand 20000 a year? Mm-hmm. Why would you have a $100,000 bill for a nursing What are you doing there? You know? I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like 100 years ago, nursing homes didn't even exist. People were with right. their families. When did when did all this nursing home start? I don't know. It's always been a an issue. Um, Seems to be more and more. It has always it been. be a good good thing for us to research. Yes, I'll go ahead and talk for a minute because yeah. I've got to. Yeah. All right. You know what? I'm going to talk about um, something that we're going to start in the new year, and it's called the Five Minute Advocate. And we are so excited about this. So there is a group, an advocacy group, that we are so excited to work with. And we will be announcing who that advocacy group is um, as we get closer to the time. But anyway, what's going to happen is this advocacy group is picking a different person, so, uh, you know, politician or celebrity or governor, governor's wife. I mean, you, you name, they're going to be picking different people and every week letters are going to be sent to that person and then we're going to find out who this advocacy group has chosen to send letters to now these are not going to be nasty letters we're going to they're going to be informative letters and then we all get to write our letter and it will take about you know five minutes and we'll write our letter and we will all send our letter out to the same person now, here's an example that I think could be very powerful. So I know that there's this guy named Marco Rubio that I'm already hearing they want to run him for president next time. Okay, whatever. I also know that I know someone in Florida who has a letter from his office when they were complaining about guardianship and their mother, Marco Rubio's office, maybe it was him, his office, sent the letter back and said, you need to hire an attorney. That shows that you don't really care about the situation, if that's what you tell someone. Hiring an attorney doesn't do anything Mm -hmm. when you're dealing with corruption. So if we're all sending, let's say, for example, Marco Rubio letters nicely telling him about guardianship abuse and what's going on and da-da-da-da, and he chooses to ignore all of our letters, which maybe he will, maybe he won't, when someone runs against him, we could hand all these letters over to his opponent and say, hey, look at what he doesn't care about. Isn't that called like swift boating people or something? Because we're done uh-huh. messing around. Done messing around. Play 32. So yeah. they can choose to read our letters and take it seriously. Or we can, when someone runs against them for their position, we can hand all those letters over to their person who is challenging them and say, these are the things that they don't care about. And see where it goes. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I think that's would, a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And, and then so, you know what we could do? We could we could what? run a score sheet. You know, Ooh, as we I approach like these people. Yeah, we could run a score sheet. We could rate them on their response. And, um, oh, I like this. You know, they, yeah, we could do that. And so but you know, all of our listeners get oh, yeah. to be part of it. 
Well, I said all the listeners yes. get to be part of it. Now, according to this advocacy group that we are going to partner with, they have they have found in their experience that the best letter is a handwritten note. Sending an email or sending like all of us have like the same email and we're all copying and pasting no. our name in it and then we're that doesn't work. A handwritten letter makes the most impact. And so what everyone's assignment is, go and get some nice stationery. And when we start doing this in January, we can all be jotting the letter down while the show is running, and then we will tell the address over the show. You don't even have to look up the address. It will only cost you a stamp, the ink in your pen, and whatever paper you want to write on. And all of us are right. going to become the five-minute advocate. And then we would love to have copies of all these letters so that we could start a database of how many letters were sent to the said person that we will be reaching out to, and we'll know how many people they either responded to or ignored. And we'll yes. go from there. Yeah. 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 It just, and that's the thing, too. People have got to become more involved because it's one thing doing these shows, and I run all over the place like you do and everything, but it takes more than us. And one of the mm-hmm. reasons they get away with everything that they do is because – you know, too many people just won't stand up. And we've got people mm-hmm. out there calling, we have to work together, we have to work together. That came after my show with Sharon DeLobo um, that I did here a couple years ago. And she said, we've got to unify this effort. And immediately a flurry of emails went out behind that show. We need to work together. And I've heard this unity thing. We need to coalesce. We need... And it's all as a result of Sharon making this comment on air. And uh, But you need to be careful who you hook up with because some people are in it for reasons you don't. And we've got some people we have determined might possibly be actually paid provocateurs coming into this to derail things. Um, they mm-hmm. bloviate and they're everywhere and they're going to save the universe and they're the most important person. And if it wasn't for them and everything, everywhere they go, things go off the rails. Um, take a take a lesson here. We don't need any glory hogs. Um, right. It's we, a multi-billion dollar industry and they, they want to protect yeah. it. Yes. Yes. And with so, these Phileo laws, how many more billions can they put in their pocket? Now you go after you know, this is This is just absolutely, honest to God, if people cannot see this is a racket, this is legalized theft, it's not mm-hmm. enough to, to rape and plunder the parents or the grandparents. You're going to go after their kids. Why didn't you go after yeah. that medical provider who charged 10 times more than they should have for the services they provided. Why didn't you go after them? Why didn't yeah. you go after those attorneys who sapped tens of thousands of dollars out of the estate, if not more? Or the girl yeah. who stole personal items nothing. and sold the house? Yeah. yeah. Why don't you go after these people? No, we're going to go after other family members, extended family members, even you know, family members outside of the the core yeah, family. Yeah, nieces and nephews. You can go after nieces and yeah. nephews. I read that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, like I say, these are written by the Bar Association. If this doesn't give you a head up, heads up on what a bunch of crooks 
and snakes these people are. And coming right up alongside of them are these guardians. I have asked for going on 13 years now. People say, they're not all bad. Bring me one that isn't. I'm not talking about a family member or a friend. I'm talking about these professionals, these professional predators. Mm -hmm. Bring me one. I want to talk to them. We'll have a show. We'll honor them. In 13 years, I still haven't gotten that name. Not one. No. Not one. I've never heard of a good one. And, uh, you know, and that's another thing, too. Uh, This thing of making excuses for these people. Uh, Well, they're not all bad. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, well, things like this take years to change. No, they don't. No, we started a war and went after a country that did nothing to us with Iraq on three lives and a dime. I And I've mentioned this many times. I've gone through legislation. I've just done for 30 years, taken legislation. It ends with the statement, uh, becomes effective immediately upon passage. No, this doesn't take years to change. This just takes the willpower, and it takes honest politicians. Yeah. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. And an um, honest politician is far yeah. and few between. You know, the thing is, is that it costs so much money if you're even going to run for any sort of office. And who has yes. that kind of money? You know, if you're just basically yes. Joe Blow on the street and you want to get out there and make a difference, there's no way you can go up against the money machine. You're never going to no. be heard. No. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It's all based on money, who's got it. And that's another way they get away with doing this stuff. We've uh, The politicians, both state and federal, that we've approached, oh, they can't do it. Well, they just, you know, well, it, you know, they, they've, they're working on some other things. And, you know, I don't know what you expect me to do here. And then you look at the money trail, and it's the local bar association that has dumped a crap load of money into their campaigns. Um, you know, these donations, which is actually bribery. The Adult Protective Services Association has done the same thing. The National Guardianship Association, the big global thing, does the same thing. And so we get these bills that are absolutely worthless. Oh, the Elder Justice and Protection Act, there was nothing in it that would protect you. There was no justice in it. No. And the, what it did was fund and expand the very people we fight. Um, yeah. And everybody said, oh, we got the bill. And then somebody said to me, well, I'll take what I can get. Well, you got nothing. Are you happy? You got absolutely, you got a bitch slap. And I'm supposed to jump up and down because you titled this? And that's something I don't care what the title of a bill is. It rarely, if ever, has anything to do with content. It, it's It's a hook. And people uh, most times will not read beyond the title. And then here's yeah. all this stuff loaded into these bills. And um, But we we are – there's going to be some changes come the first of the year in our broadcasting. Like I'm the very five excited. Minute advocate that, yeah. Yes. And this advocacy and group we're gonna, that we're going to work with. Yep. And Australia is thrown in with us. And um, so we're going to be working closely with them also. And, oh, goodness, what else? Uh, But anyway, that's just for starters. But all the shows are being revamped. And it's going to become a little more interactive. Uh, This thing of us yakking and you listening, that's got to stop. you got to get up and talk, too. you got to get up and do something. 
Um, and this, it'll be this, fun to be part of it. Yes. Yes. Yes, it will. It'll be fun. And uh, so I don't know, because I'm ready for the break. I will tell you that. I am ready for the break. Um, <laughs> I am tired. And uh, You have been so busy. Been, you have... The guests are just lined up. It's like a waiting a waiting yes. list just to get on the show. It's yes. amazing. It's and amazing, I'm Marty. Tried, well, I'm trying to get get everybody that we can, you know, get them on air. And we will be sh- revisiting with some guests to do follow-ups you know, so we know what happened. Um, and this is where the five-minute advocacy could come in uh, mm-hmm. with, to, to advocate for these people. And... So it's it's um it, there's a lot to do, but like I say, it's got to become more interactive. We need more participation, and if you're one of those people that is bouncing between groups, and one week you love this one, and then you hate that one, and and you're not having anything to do with them anymore, and I'm not talking to, stay away from us. Just stay away from us. Go take that somewhere else. I don't have time for it. I don't have the patience for it. If you if you can't listen to some of these people and figure out they are full of crap, I don't know what to tell you. Um, all these claims about how you know, they did this and that and they single-handedly put uh, probate judges in jail never happened. Never happened. But y'all went, oh, wow, isn't that – no, it never happened. Um, but there's just a lot that we need to take care of. Um, and I'm not interested in people that get into this back and forth and this, well, if that's what you think, then you can't be my friend. Get the hell out of here. Um, you know, I just, I, cause I just can't take anymore. I just really can't. I know. We got about I know. It's, two minutes left. Go ahead. You know what? I think we were going to offer our deepest sympathy to Ron Shagda. We found out yes. today he has, he did pass away. He was on our show, I would say it was about a year and a half ago. He had his uh, twin sister, Lorraine, and she was guardianized. And it, it does, from the obituary, it does look as if Lorraine is still alive. I haven't uh, spoken to Ron in about a year. Uh, I just was very saddened and shocked when I found out today. And I just thought we'd let the listeners know he was just a great advocate. He's working on writing a book. Hopefully it's going to end up being published by somebody that he can leave, you know, something here for the rest of us. But he was just a pleasure to know, and he's been on the show. And if anyone remembers hearing him, he lived in Pennsylvania. He He did pass away, and we were offering our deepest sympathies and condolences to his family. Yes, and he'd been sick for about the last two years. And still continued to fight for his sister. And um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's just like when Tracy Miller passed away. And she, you know, she loved her oh. brother Bob so much. And she was always, yeah. and I always wonder what happened to him, you know, without her there advocating oh. and fighting for him. And, um, yeah, it's, um, we, lose awesome. we lose some. We lose some. Yes. Okay, everybody, we're down to the last few seconds here. I want to remind everyone these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. We're a permanent fixture there. We will talk to you on Friday evening where we're going to pick up with more news. Have a good evening, everybody, and good night. Good night.